for coming back today. I believe that those of us who came are coming will not be in vain. Amen. Um, who remember the song we sang yesterday? I won't sing it today. There's another song I wanted us to sing, but I'll give it as an assignment. So when we're on break, I want you to go and get the song, the lyrics of the song, God Give Us Christian Homes. Amen. When we're on break, I want you to get the lyrics. Um, um, it's a powerful song. Um, I will just read out the first stanza. God give us Christian homes. Homes where the Bible is loved and taught. Homes where the master's will is sought. Homes crowned with beauty your love has wrought. God give us Christian homes. Now, um, we at some point are going to split this morning into the guys and the ladies. I always know that when we have to do that, we will always have more ladies. But um, <laughs> I'm always not discouraged. Let's still keep talking to the guys that we have. We will get more and more by the day. <laughs> amen. Guys, amen. Um, there's so much that God has been really saying. Um, yesterday night, when I went back and was still praying, um, I had very serious burden again for us to take this weekend very, very seriously. Um, one of the things that God said to me yesterday night, you know, yesterday when we were saying, when we were looking at um, Abraham, and God was saying to Abraham, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Um, the Spirit of God was strongly saying to me that I need to speak that word into your spirit. God began to give me a, poor, a, a glimpse of where some of us are going in the next 10 years, in the next 15 years. When God was saying to Abraham, or to Abraham, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It was very easy and possible for Abraham to despise the word of God. To take for granted. See, I'm a very small girl. I'm 12 years. I'm 15 years. Why is God talking about a great future for me? 
And God told me to tell you to take this word seriously. For some of you, there are communities waiting for you to be the solution to their crisis. There are people who are waiting. The problem they have already exists. And God is beginning to look at you as the solution, as the answer, as the young man or the young lady who is going to bring um, help and deliverance to those people. Just like God was saying to Abraham, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. I want to say that God is saying that to somebody here. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Now, it was not even a prayer that God was making. It was not a prophecy. It was something that was going to happen. Now, it is men that prophesy. God doesn't prophesy. (laughs) Did you hear me? If God says something for the fact that he has said it, is just waiting for its manifestation. Sometimes it takes a number of years, and that's where a lot of people lose out. People cannot see what God is saying about their lives. And some of the things we are going to be discussing today, they exchange their great destinies for a very momentary pleasure. But the moment you begin to look at yourself and begin to have a sense of responsibility that God is taking me somewhere, that my life is not an accident, it's not an incident, my life is not a coincidence, my life is set. On his program. The moment you begin to get that grasp. Everything about your life becomes different. Everything about you becomes different. Your relationships become different. You become very careful. You become very skeptical. You You look at things and look at things and look at them again. But I want to start this morning by saying that there is a great future ahead of someone here. I don't know whether it's everybody. But yesterday night God kept impressing that on my spirit. That there is someone that God is saying through you and in you. Some of you is community, some is hospitals. Some is a whole sector of an economy. Some is, is, is a ministry. There are people who are going to be blessed because of you. So I want you to begin to, don't look at yourself as present. I, was, I think it was still this week or last week, trying to check some of the notebooks um, when I was 17, between 16 and 18, God began to say some of these things to me. I remember I was studying Jeremiah one day and God said, 
I know the thoughts I have for you. One of the things God said to me that they said there's a space I have carved out for you. I was still a teenager. And the confusion I had was, I looked around me, I think I was struggling to get into the university. I looked around me, I looked at myself, I looked the room, the, where we were living, I looked around the whole house. I said, God, how can you be saying this to me? And that's the first thing I want to drum into your spirit. When God wants to do something in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years, He begins to talk about it well ahead of time. I was reading Genesis. I don't know whether we'll have time to read that today. And God was saying to Abraham, He said to Abraham, You will die. This thing I'm talking about to you is bigger than you. But you will play your part, you will die. After 400 years, <laughs> your people will be sent to a nation and those people will... And I said, God, and I will raise a deliverer. So when Abraham was still 400 years earlier, God already began to talk about Moses. God already began to say, at this so-so-so time, somebody is going to be born that is going to set the background for the deliverance of Israel. So I want you to note that God has already spoken about you. Amen. 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 I say God has done what? He has already spoken about you. Some of the things I see in my life, few things, I know that God has said them many years ago. Before, you know God told Jeremiah, I said what? Before you were born. I did what? I knew you. And before you were born, I did what? I had already ordained you. And somebody said, ah, I've not done, saying, I've not done ordination. I've not gone to theological school. God said, even before you were born, I already ordained you. <laughs> Amen. 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 I pray that your eyes will be open to see it. I pray that your spirit will begin to arrange itself and prepare itself to become what God wants you to become. Amen. I was so excited yesterday night. I became more particular about um, some of the things I'll be sharing with us today. I became more, more scared and more fearful but yet more privileged that even though it looks like these are young, young, young and ordinary people, there's a great future ahead of you. Can you help me tell your neighbor there's a great future ahead of you? I hope you believe it. Help me ask the person, I hope you believe it. It's not just, it's not just good talk. You know, it's not like when you go to some places, they'll say, tell your neighbor you're going to be a millionaire. I said, I'm a millionaire. No, no, no. It's not just wishful thinking. <laughs> Through you shall the nations of the earth be blessed. Amen. Amen. 
through you. And I want you to know that. Now, this morning, we want to deal with relationship issues. And I want to create a background before we split into the brothers and the sisters. And um, we'll um, continue um, with that. Um, we're going to first of all read Genesis chapter 24, verse 1 to the end. Genesis chapter 24. I will read from the New International Version. Genesis chapter 24. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my tie. I want you to swear by the Lord God of heaven and the God of the earth that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom you are living, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. Genesis 24. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven who brought me out of my father's household and my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath saying to your offsprings I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master. Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out from Aram, Naharim, and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had camels, he had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening. The time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed. Oh Lord God of my master Abraham. Give me success today. And show kindness to my master Abraham. Are we together? We are now in verse what? Verse 13. Oh you are with me. See. I am standing beside this spring. And the daughters of the town's people are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, Please, let down your jar that I may have a drink. That she says, Drink, and I will water your camels too. 
Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The girl was very beautiful. A virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said. And quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. And after she had given him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels too until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring wearing a baker and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milka, born to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder, as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and his faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. The girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now Rebekah had a brother named Laban, and he returned, he hurried, out to the man at the spring. And as soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arm, and had heard Rebekah tell what the man said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out here? I have prepared a house and a place for the camels. So the man went to the house and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were brought to the camels and water for him and his men to wash their feet. Then food was set before him. But he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. Then tell us, Laban said. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly and he has become wealthy. He has been given sheep, he has given him sheep and cattle and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and donkeys. My master's wife Sarah has borne him a son in her old age and he has given him everything he owns. And my master made me swear an oath and said, You must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but go to my father's family. And to my own clan. And get a wife for my son. Then I asked my master. What if the woman will not come back with me? He replied. The Lord before whom I have walked. Will send his angel with you. And he will make your journey a success. So that you can get a wife for my son. From my own clan. And from my father's family. Then what? Then when you go to my clan. You will be released from my oath. 
Even if they refuse to give heart to you, you will be released from my oath. When I came to the spring today, I said, O oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you will please grant success to the journey on which if you will please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I am standing beside the spring. If a maiden comes out to draw water and I say to her, Please, let me drink a little from your jar. And if she says to me, Drink, and I will draw water for your camels too. Let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finish praying, in my heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water and said to her, Please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink and I will water your camels too. So I drank and she watered the camels also. I asked her, Whose daughter are you? Whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Milka brought to him. Then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms. And I bowed down and worshipped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road to get, a grand, to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, so I may know which way to turn. Laban and Bethuel answered, This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebecca. Take her and go. And let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver and jewelry and articles of, of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, let the girl remain with us ten days or so. Then you may go. But he said to them, Do not detain me now, that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Hallelujah. Send me, in the, send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they said, Let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, Will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed her. Oh my God. And they blessed Rebecca. And they said to her, Our sister, may you increase thousands upon thousands. And may your offsprings possess the gates of their enemies. Then Rebecca and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebekah and left. Now Isaac had come from Bielahiroi, for he was living in the Negev, and he went out to the field on evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. 
So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all that he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Praise the Lord. I don't know whether the excitement in my spirit was also bubbling in your spirit. But um, because um, of time, I almost cut short the reading with some of the things that were already exciting and um, impressing my heart. Um, But this, for now, before we split, I want to just create the foundation. Abraham was blessed. We are having a relationship seminar. And I'm sure somebody say, where do you read this dude? How did he enjoy? But you will understand. Abraham was blessed. God had placed a blessing upon him. God had promised him that in you all the nations will be blessed. God had said something to Abraham and Abraham had lived and had lived. At this point his wife had died. And he had married again. And it was, there was a burden on Abraham's heart. There was something that troubled Abraham. This blessing must move on. This thing God has said to me must be carried on. I prayed for a son. The son has come. Now that the son has come, there is something that I must settle before I go. There is something that if my son does not get right, There is a risk of what happens to this seed. And this morning, I want you to note that if you don't get relationship right, listen to me carefully. Everything about the blessing of God and the blessed life is at risk. Oh my God, I wish you will see what I'm saying. If you miss it, if you become casual about your relationship that finally leads you to marriage, if you become an everybody kind of person and you are hanging on the road and just moving around, let anybody just catch you or you catch anybody, There is a great risk that even if at all you ever touched the blessed life, it will be terminated. Abraham, the father of Isaac, knew from his experience because later when we come in the evening, we'll be looking at some areas of Abraham's life. But Let's leave that because he had learned his lesson at this point. He knew that if Isaac will miss it, the blessing will be missed. He knew that he had given, you know, when the servant was speaking, he said, Abraham has given his son wealth. 
He has given him everything. He has given him the blessing. He has connected him to God. At this point, Isaac was already having a very personal relationship with God. Isaac was already understanding the principles of God. He was already beginning to grow in meditation. And Abraham knew that if my son misses it here, we will not be able to recover it soon. You don't understand what it means. Now, this is the only time Abraham called his servant. And he said, you must do what? You must swear. And you see, I will still take you back to that servant because I think I have just a few minutes before we split. The servant was scared to also swear. Abraham said, do you know what it means to put your hand under somebody's thigh? Eh? Just imagine, um, 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 pastor's wording, sir. Uncle Ogo. Venerable calls you and say, um, put your hand here. Ogo, put your hand here. Hey, what will you do? You will run away. You say, sir, wait. Do you know what somebody's thigh is? Who's supposed to touch you? Is it not somebody's husband or wife? He said, come, I want to give you a message. We will not just swear by doing like this. You know those days when we are small. He said, let me swear with you. Let's cut it. Somebody come and cut it. He said, I won't cut like that. Put your hand under my laps. Take an oath. This is not a joking matter. This is not something that you can toy with. This is not something that you can say, I just went on the road and I just picked a wife for you, Isaac, or Yamari. He said, no. You need to swear right now that you must. <laughs> and the man said, there are, there are several chances of that. Wait. Wait. I will not swear quickly. Just wait. Give me some time. Do you know why that man was praying at every step? He was under an oath. You don't understand though. He will get here and say, God, oh yeah, I have reached. The fear of the oath alone <laughs> was making him not to mess up. They said, oh God, eat food. He said, keep food first. I'm not going to eat. There's a matter before me. That I cannot sit down and just be eating anyhow when it's not settled. They say, okay, okay, we have agreed. Take the wife. Let her stay for 10 days. You say, that 10 days, you people can change your mind. <laughs> I'm not going to agree 10 days. I don't know what will happen. Since already God has answered me. Now, now, now. Let me run away from here. What am I doing for another 10 days? So you see the way the man was treading with care. When I see the way young people do relationship now, I say it's because they don't understand what seed is on their life. Any man who knows that he is going somewhere, he has a future with God, or a woman, or a lady, and there is something that 
he must achieve before he dies and even after he has died that thing must still be moving on that man is careless about everything else but his relationship did you hear me he can dash you money he can dash you anything but when it is time and somebody immediately says sister I am considering you. <laughs> I am considering you. Immediately, one serious fear just hits her. She just says, because she knows this consideration has capacity to silence me for life or to bring me to fulfillment for life. When a boy is walking on the road, he says, oh, Uncle, I just saw one lady and we are just moving on and we are talking and talking. It's clear that he does not know where he's going. That's why he's just talking and talking. Did you see how many times that servant spoke to Rebecca? Did you see him toasting her? Did you see him doing, um, what do you call it, dating? Let's know, let's know ourselves so that when we have known ourselves and say you are in trouble, you don't know that you are dealing with a matter that Abraham said, put your hand under my tongue. In fact, the man said, I won't say everything. I will just say she should give me water. Let her be the one to use her sense and give and see that my camels need water. These days I see young men say, you see, as you see me now, I'm a, I'm a medical doctor and I'm this, this, this and my house is in um, Lagos and my grandfather is in abroad and my great-grandfather is in the United States and the lady say, eh? You say, you see, when we marry, I just carry you to England. From England, I just be say, eh? You say, ah, this one. What the grandma, this one. This one. He said, this one, the Lord seems to be saying something. It's because you don't understand. In fact, I was telling some ladies somewhere. I said, any man that talks too much is a, sus- is a suspect. Any man that comes to you and says, you see, there's re- look at me. What are you delaying? Why are you keeping your answer? What are you considering? Any man that talks to you like that, run away, is a suspect. Real men don't talk much. In fact, if you ask real correct men, what made their wives follow them was never anything they said. There was something their wives saw. And they said, this woman never met Isaac. She didn't know how his face looked like, whether his nose was long, or he was tall, or he was three feet, or he was too short. But she had heard that this is a lineage that is blessed. Let me key. The man didn't say anything. There's something in this family. This looks like what I've been praying for. They say, will you not go and pray? Say, I've prayed. I've been praying. I'm going now. Can you imagine that a woman they spoke to today? You know, when you read the Bible, you don't think very well. You just think his story. But they proposed to her today. The next day she was married. Sometimes the brothers will call me and say, she's giving me six months, eight months, and I don't know why she's not answering. And I ask the sister, why are you not answering? He said, let the man not just think that I'm cheap. I say, you are really cheap, oh. <laughs> he said, let me, let me give him time. Now, I will just say two things, then we'll move back. Can you go to verse 5? Verse 5. 
verse 5. The servant asked him. Verse 3. I want you to swear by the Lord God of heaven and the God of the earth that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living. That's unbelievers. People who are not Christians. And he said, okay, so that's not a problem. The man didn't even ask a question about that because I'm sure he had seen all the unbelievers and said, no, this one is not going to make headway. Then the servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God, who brought me out of there. <laughs> the Bible is so interesting. Out of my father's household. And out of my native land. And spoke to me. And said to me. And promised me at oath That to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you. So that you can get a wife for my son from where? From there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, there you will be released from this boat of mine. Only do not take my son back there. Now, he had crossed the first level of unbelievers, Canaanites, people who never had a covenant with God. And he said, but there's some problem. He said, there is a woman I will meet that will demand my, your soul to go back. You know, when I read that scripture, I said, what? Eh? There are marriages that take you back. You know that we are going somewhere. There are marriages that will first slow you down. Say, slow down. This your spirituality is too much. Slow down. You will first slow down. After two years in the marriage, you will discover that now so you just they go. Now so you just they go. Somebody met my wife just before we were to marry. He was also one of the brothers who was interested in her. But God knew that that was not where she was to go. So he met her before we married. He said this preaching and Christianity your husband is doing. Now he will marry and he will settle down. Let me see whether I will still be just preaching all this. He will settle down now. When my wife told me, I jumped up in my spirit. I said, God, this brother has not seen anything yet. Now I will increase my speed. But I want you to know that generally that's what marriage does. It takes people back. Abraham said, rather than my son to marry, the oath is broken. I don't know whether you understand. Rather than my son to marry somebody who will draw him back. Every time he stands up and wants to move, person say, hey, look at this other one, look at the car they are driving. Hey, you have money, you every time you say, church, 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 let's buy a car, let's see, 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 people are driving. The man will say, okay, okay, I'll buy a car for you. Is that what you want? He said, hey, buy a car. So the man buys a car. And he also wants to move again. The woman said, we need to go on holiday abroad. We need to go on holiday abroad. 
The man wants to move again. The woman says, ah, the children cannot school in Nigeria. They need to school abroad. So there are men who are on permanent, permanent debt so that their children can school in UK and abroad. Ask them, how did they get into it? Some of them have ever forgotten that they even used to carry a seed of blessing on their life. So as I draw this to an end, I want you to note how fast, how far, and how well you will go in life is a function of your relationship life, ultimately your marriage. How fast, how far, how quick, how correct you will move in life. Is determined by who you marry. There is somebody you will marry that will be a wheelbarrow. Have you seen a wheelbarrow? A wheelbarrow is not as heavy as a car, but it does not have capacity to run. It does not have an internal energy to drive itself. A wheelbarrow will be everywhere you leave it except you move it. And I'm praying for you this morning. You will not be a wheelbarrow. And you will never hook a wheelbarrow. <laughs> I have seen people settle very well when they get married. I have seen people, some of them are just covering up by doing church activity. But when you ask them, they have lost something. When you ask them, there is a loophole. They, their speed, their, one of their tires have been punctured. When you ask them, they just shake their head and say, forget. Well, just, just leave that thing. Leave that thing with a, with a move. I don't have yet many people who are old. But even the few I have, I'm already seeing it. There was this man that used to, we are going into our groups now. There was this man that used to come to preach to us when we were in secondary school. If he comes to a conference and he preaches, hey, as secondary school students, we will be speaking in the Holy Ghost. People will be crying. People, there was the power of God was everywhere. But I think when I was in SS3 on in year one, I heard that the man has a witch as his wife. I observed from just two or just three when I used to attend FCS conference, he never came for any meeting with his wife. Never. Or any of his children. Never. Not too long, when I was in year one or year two, I heard that Uncle Ekanekere died. There was one that was in our church. In our church. He was a senior friend. Also in Nifes. He, he rose to be our zonal chairman. But I observed as a small child. That him and his wife will have problems. And they will run to our house. Even when they used to live far away from us. I would just discover that my parents will carry the, the woman. When she comes, she will just be frowning on her face. And my parents will carry her into one room. You know, they used to hide things from us so much. But the children, you can't hide too much. 
when they now parked close to our house, I discovered that some mornings the woman will run from the house. Sometimes it's the man that will run. Hey, this was a, an Oga Christian. He didn't marry a Canaanite woman. He married from the family. But it was a woman that says, I'm not going with you. I say, ah, how can a woman as far back as this age, Abraham's time, tell a man, tell him to come back. I'm not going with him. I hope you know that's, a lot, that's the kind of marriages we have around us. The husband is somewhere. The wife is somewhere else. If the wife says, can I not come and join you? The man says, no. What I'm doing, you cannot come. If the woman says, if the man says, can you not come and join me? The woman says, no. What I'm doing, I cannot come. You see, when you read the Bible, you don't know it's happening around. I lived in the house. I just packed out. In the whole of that compound, we had how many families? Close to three or four. Their husbands were nowhere to be found. I was the youngest married, but... Every time, in fact, even the one who was there, people used to say that he's not a husband, he's not a man. Whenever there's an issue, they come and say, Pastor, come, you are the one that will help us, let's go and meet lawyer. So even the man who was there, was not there. I'm going to say that, discuss that with the brothers. This man died when I was in, I think, 300 level or 400 level. This is our Christian brother. But you see, that was not the question. One day I was traveling. With another senior uncle, the professor, Professor Luremi, and we were moving, and I started asking him. He was bothering me. Why do Christians die early? It was like two months after this uncle had died. I was asking him. Not too long before that, I lost my mom. She died. Not too long before that, we also lost another very close family friend. All of us were all growing up. And these were our parents. So I was asking him. And I mentioned these names. And he said, for this man, this uncle, it was his wife that killed him. This was the words the man used. I, I'm not telling you. The man said, for this one, <laughs> it was the wife that killed him. Then he began to answer my question. And I said, what? A woman can kill a man. Is that why many men are dying of heart attack? Brothers, if you miss anything in life, don't marry somebody who will take you back. If you gradually begin to talk, you say, hey, this thing that you are saying about your, that is your calling, is this, I, I don't understand though. I don't understand though. Don't say you will understand by and by. Begin to suspect. People know they understand after marriage. You say you are a doctor. Look at all your mates. They are traveling to UK. They are traveling to UK. They are traveling to US. You, you just sit down here every time. Just bring small, 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 small money for us. Where, when are you going to go? Know that you are marrying a drawback. Sisters, if you have a sister around you, help me tell her, don't be a drawback. You are not hearing. Say, tell her, don't be a drawback. And brothers, don't also be a drawback. 
Tell the brothers. <laughs> no, but it's more popular with women. Women are so hot. They are carrying a blessed life. When they marry. I normally say they get PhD. Begin holding degree. That's how best we define women. That will not be your case. Now as we separate, we want to look at what are the foundations I need to lay so that I will not miss it. It's easy for me to be telling you dress well and do this well. When you come out, you just make sure that you don't talk and flat. It puts some, put some treble on your voice. Let your voice be able to go up and down. <laughs> uh, I have deceived you. I have deceived you. So I, I'm, I'm here with my wife. That's the best gift God gave me. She's here. I won't tell a lie. When she was to marry me, I had no single property. Did I? Maybe the only things I knew I had were books. In fact, when I was coming to Enugu, I came with two bags. To resume, one of the bags was a big Ghana must go of books. The other one was a small bag of my clothes that I had. I don't know when last I bought clothes. Before that time. She's the one that is clothing me. If not, <laughs> you won't see me in the market buying clothes. Very bad problem. At the point, in fact, there was a time she came to visit. Where I was staying as our fellowship house, was a, it's just like this. Empty football field. We used to call it football field there. Just rocked. There was no single thing inside. None that the fellowship had. None that I had. And yet, she said, I will go with you. So she's going to share with you. How did she get to that point? I don't know. I'm going to share with the brothers how I got to that point. God is helping us now. have small property. I don't have plenty yet. And you see, because I packed the other day, I saw the problem with property. This was all I used, this my, that my wagon is all I, all, and one bus was all I used to pack my load. We went three times or how many times? And it was okay. Some of the property, God already provided it before I got to the house. I said, ah, God, you know how to do things. But I've also learned that property is a load. If you have plenty of property and you need to pack, you need plenty, big, big, you need all these big, big trucks. So we are going to separate. Um, she's the one going to take us. She's Mrs. Kelechi Baba Onoja. So please come as we the brothers move out. We want to briefly look at, thank you. What are the foundations we need to lay that will help us to be blessed even in our home? That when our fathers, spiritual and physical parents see us, they can relax and say, aha, this my son has got it. They can go and rest. They can go and say, aha, there's no problem. We can send our daughter. We bless, they bless you and release you and say, go. We have seen that you got it. Amen. Amen.
Um, we thank God for the open heavens of rain. We want to just take questions. Do we have any questions? If you have a question, please, you can just get out a piece of paper, write it, and send it to us. We'll try to answer. Um, I'm sure we had good times. I've been asked to summarize, but I know that what has been said is summarized enough. Um, I would have wanted to hear what you heard. And I'm sure you also would have wanted to hear what we heard. Would have wanted to hear. But, um, so, um, question. So, if I'm summarizing, you just write down briefly your questions. Um, we have we've speak, spoken to our brothers on um, how God can help them to be good husbands for their wives. And how, some of you are laughing. You are already excited. Are your husbands here? <laughs> the way I see some sisters smiling so wow, they have spoken to my husband. <laughs> okay. But we have spoken to them. And we believe that wherever your husbands are, God is speaking to them. Don't be afraid. Uh, the brothers, don't be afraid. Wherever your wives are, God is speaking to them. At the right time, the God who does connection, He will connect you. Amen? God is a dangerous connector. The other day somebody was asking me, can somebody meet his wife on Facebook? I said, by human knowledge, no. But by God, nothing is impossible. I've seen people who have met on Facebook and they're having good homes. There's a brother, my sister, she met her husband in a bus. They are in just now. They have two daughters and one girl. Wonderful home. God is helping them. They met in bus. They were traveling. And they just met and greeted. And they are married. So I've started respecting God. Open your heart to God. We'll talk about that much more tomorrow. On how God can lead you into the blessed life. So we have spoken a lot. We talked about emotional foundations. We talked about spiritual foundations. We talked about spiritual sensitivity. We talked about emotional foundations. And we talked about a lot of things. They are men's talk. So um, I will not be able to say them again. Except you tell me everything they told you. <laughs> it's the same thing. Okay. I know the application will differ. If we have questions, let's just take them. I will want to review again. As the questions come up, we can be able to learn a bit from some of the things that we have shared. My brother, are you done with writing it? Okay, come and say it. Come and say it quickly. Sir, you uh, I, I want my question is, um, shouldn't a man have money before you can marry a woman? Like, shouldn't be, shouldn't be financially like boy and like maybe not like a little dangle table, but at least should have some resources. And then, I, my second question is, what is the place of um, children, the place of marriage? For example, if I happen to be the elder child, my parents are having some issues, and they now put me inside. How do I keep myself out? 
Okay, that's your own parents. Your parents' problem. They bring you in. Okay? I want to start with the second question. It's already a privilege that your parents can look up to you to solve their problem. You see, some of the things we are sharing with you, your parents have never heard them and may never hear them. You are the one with the conviction that it has in your spirit that will carry it to them. Especially when they have already brought you into their problem. I don't know whether you understand. So don't, don't run away. If your parents are having crisis and they have trusted you, you should be able to rise to say, Dad, um, with all due respect, I feel that you are not treating mom well. Um, some of the things we have learned, if your parents are disposed to come and see somebody elderly, if they are living in Enugu, you can say, there's this church where they are teaching us different things. And I'm sure if you can come and talk with our venerable, he can help you out. But daddy, what I have seen, in fact, me, I'm already planning not to be like you. Once you say that to any man, he can shout at you. But when he goes inside, what you have said will be shouting at him. He won't sleep. He won't sleep. He will look at it and say, Car. And there's no time a man cannot change. So if your parents have issues, you need to be able to step up to solve those issues. Now, except, somebody has shared with us, except when you have inherited wealth. Your parents are rich and they have inherited wealth. It's not very easy to make so much money before you marry. Except you have that as an ambition. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? If you have an ambition that I must make so much money so that I can bamboozle this woman, then you are going to take a longer time. And because it's your ambition, you may achieve it. But any man who knows that marriage is contributing to his life and knows that he needs to marry except wealth was given to him by his parents, he can't make enough money that will bamboozle his wife. I can assure you of that. Did you hear me? Did you hear what I said? I can assure you of that. Except you drop money and say, I mean, drop marriage. I want to pursue money. And anything, I have learned that anything you pursue, you will get it. I have learned it. If you sit down and say, I want to pursue money, so that when the woman comes, you say, I want Brazilian hair, take. I want Americana hair, take. I want Brazilian fingernails, take. I want Brazilian eyelids, take. And you will find people who will spend your money. A correct woman will say no to you. I can assure you. Because men who come with wealth, very arrogant. I went to visit a neighbor who moved out. They are not Christians, but we have become close family friends. We are trusting God for them, the wife, the husband. The man stays abroad. I don't know what he's doing, but he has so much money. He built a dangerous house in one year. Dangerous house. And these people who stay abroad, fear them. <laughs> Especially those ones who don't want to carry their wife abroad, fear them. 
They are dangerous. We don't marry, don't marry those Malay boys. Sisters, if anybody is abroad and he doesn't want to carry you abroad, doesn't tell you what he's doing and you will not go there and be doing it with him. Don't marry. So I went to their house, went to their house to visit them. <laughs> and I was talking with the man. <laughs> he said he's building a set of chairs. I went the other day, I saw it. He said those chairs are going to be 1.2 million. Set of chairs and dining. It's carved with hands. It's not this kind of ordinary chair. 1.2 million. <laughs> That's some people's annual salary. Some of us, like four years or five years. He said it's going to be easy to build chairs. But when I was talking with the man, the man shook his head. He said, Kai, this woman lucky you. She just come inside and join me. This is my wife, eh? She lucky. That woman lucky. Where, where? Huh? Every time my wife has opportunity to discuss with that woman, it is the woman that made my wife to know that money is useless. She's not married. <laughs> I think that's the best way to say it. Even if the man comes from abroad, he cannot sit down in the same the house with them for one hour stretch. So most of those men who pursue money marry you to the money, not to themselves. You're going to marry the money. They'll drop money for you. Drop the movie around, changing cars, and you are headless. You are, you are not married. You are the one that will look for school for your children. You are the one that will take decisions. You are the one that will be going to buy gas. You are the one that will be doing everything. All the man will be doing is giving you money. Sister, is that the kind of husband you want? That once they give you money, the marriage has finished. Eh? Talk to me now. You want to marry them, but actually what you married was the money. So that they just give you so much money, but you can't see them. Your marriage happens once in a year or two times in a year. From December to January, marriage has finished. The other one you marry is money. So my brother, that must not be your ambition. We have said that set your ambition now to marry. If money comes, no matter what, even if you have started your residence, the highest you can be paid is 350000 Am I correct? Am I easy up to that? Residence. If you are doing house officer, the highest is what? One hundred and something. If you save everything, it's not up to two million. If you go to rent a big hall in Enugu, they'll collect all that money for you. So you don't have money. You will still marry and be managing. <laughs> it's people who don't know that can't say, I married doctor. I married. There's nothing there. There's no money. So it is God that blesses. And when a woman comes into your life, money takes shape. The small money you have will begin to take shape. So don't don't think that you have, even if you had money, for example, your parents are very wealthy. They have investments. By chance, like Isaac, he was already rich. Put that money aside and marry. But look for a woman that doesn't know how much money you have. You must also still find a correct woman who knows you are very wealthy. Except for that, it's not easy for a young man to make money in Nigeria. <laughs> And then everywhere, even those who go abroad, it's not easy. Except you do something that is not straight. So, please, we are going to talk about money in the evening. We are going to talk about the craze for all these things. Set your heart on God. I've told you, after God, begin to pray for your marriage. 
If you wake up any morning, you pray and have good fellowship with God. Before you close that prayer, put your marriage. That's the next thing. Forget money. Is that okay? It will create a background for you. Thank you very much. Any other question? Okay. Yes, we take that. Praise God. Um, okay. There are places that too, actually. The first one is this. What if you have a friend um, of the opposite sex and then the the person is just so cool with you, like relates with you as a friend? And what about females that um, your natural instinct most times tells you what this person is driving to? I know that this is not actually the right person or the right thing to do. How do you dissociate yourself, like without making the person go deeper and then feel hot at the end of the day? And then secondly is um, I've heard some messages and some persons that will always say, um, don't marry a man that doesn't have a spiritual head. And then, apart from God, like you said, but even if he's doing well, when he ministered at otherwise, but he doesn't have someone that he submits to as a human. And I've had that, I met this friend of, his friend, um, in school. So he was like, there was, he had this calling to be a minister. But most times, God, there was someone he wanted to mentor him into it. And God was telling him that this is not it, that he wanted to be the sole owner, like the person that would put him through everything about ministry, without submitting actually on someone, that he disobeyed and went. That what he was trying to avoid is getting to somewhere tomorrow, and then someone will be like, um, I was the one that put you through. You know, someone trying to be there, like someone, he was the one that put you through and this or that. So he had to um, quit and then go on his way and then allow God do whatever he wants to do. So I was actually asking at a point now, listen from those things I I can learn. What if you want he wants to get married and then he gets married to one sister like that and one wants him to show him a spiritual guide. Maybe someone that actually subject to that message and he has no one to refer the person to situations like that, so what would be the outcome? Praise God. You know what I didn't, you didn't use yourself, you use another sister. <laughs> uh, the first question has to do with, sorry, please. I, I know I have it in my head, but it is, just, just say something about it, I remember. You said, okay, okay, how to dissociate? Oh, the, the answers are there already, the question I left. <laughs> how do you part from a brother? Praise God. First of all, when, when brothers come to you, what we, what we're told then is to make them define the relationship. Now, most people just hover around you and stay for a while. They're not saying anything. They're just comfortable with you. And then you just know that these people are just here. And we're told just define the relationship. Come, you are getting too close. What is it? Do you understand? And then if he said something and he's, he's, he's showing that he's interested in you, and if he's if someone you know that his vision tallies with your own vision, where you are going to, you can... But if his vision is not where you are going to and it's not, you can just tell him that, please, I don't want to have anything to do with you, relationship-wise. Very much. I think that's um, that's very. Brothers, please don't hover over sisters. <laughs> don't do that to them. Um, okay, mommy. Yes. 
I always go to the worst scenario when I want to do something, especially as a Christian. You know, I don't like um, giving any chance for the devil. I believe that um, as a Christian, well, I don't know. You know, we are older generation to you people. Uh, your own is getting closer. But I know that the word of God standard sure. As a Christian, if you are born again, or maybe when we are younger, your relationship should be general. Because if we are, if we are talking, why are, why are you, you know, coming around me? For what? You know? For what? You know, because sometimes you give them opportunity. When she was speaking, she said that there's a way you carry yourself. Every fly can just come in around you. You should be serious-minded. I'm not saying that if you are talking, you know, if you are going, your face will be sweet. You know, I don't laugh so much. If you see me on the way, you will be surprised because I will just, you know, mind my way, I will be going. Uh I'm not saying that everybody should have my kind of face, that if you see me, you tremble in and fall. But with your own nature and temperament, relate with everybody freely, generally. Let not anybody associate a brother to you or with you or a sister with you. Because there must be something you are doing. You know, when we are in campus, Nobody associated, you know, you re- we related with brothers freely. We related with sisters. You can't say that this person, you know, is attached to you. It's only maybe about one or two sisters that we could attach some brothers to. And then we are really doing, you know, something. You know? So, my own answer, which may be to, biblically, you should relate with everybody in a general, you know, form. If a brother you have prayed or a sister you have prayed, and maybe God is leading you to a particular brother. Or you have, you know, you have prayed and God is leading you to a particular sister. You should prayerfully go about it. It's not when you come co- clo- or so close, because I think it's not a general thing. You should come close. As you are coming close, you study the person as you are studying. No. At least her example was exactly, you know, when she was talking, you know, at a stage, I say, talk to them. Tell them. You know, it was exactly my, you know, in a sense. I wasn't related, you know, I wasn't in a relationship with yeah, my husband, didn't finish from the same school. It was just God who spoke. And then he came straight and uh, told me. And he didn't spiritualize it. He said, I love you. You should pray and know if God is also speaking to you. Period. And he left. But by then, a year and uh, God, God has you know, already revealed it to me. So I knew. So, you know, all this coming close to check. Are you checking? Are you God? There is no way you can ever know a human being. The heart is, you know, deceitful and desperately wicked. So I call such a thing, what we call them, you know, this kind of thing when we are on campus, was boyfriendism. If you are close and then they are pushing around and you are now trying to pick, it's boyfriend. What is different between you and unbelievers? It's the same thing. After all, some of them, they don't have sex. You know, so don't create opportunity that will give unbelievers opportunity to malign the name name of God. Stay clear. Relate with brothers and sisters. You know, be a friend to everybody. Let not anybody attach in a sister to you. And let nobody attach in a brother to you. That's my own. Praise the Lord. Mom, it's not your own. That's the correct thing. (laughs) It's not your own. That's the correct thing. It's our own. You know why I face the brothers first is that it's we that cause the problem. Even though it takes two to tango, 
Many times you open the door for us, so we take advantage of it. You show us a signal that, a day, a day, a day, just come now. There's, I just need a brother. That's, that's unbelief. I think that's simple. There's no need for us. It's not just mommy's time. And she has shared. When we announced, we're in the same fellowship. When brethren heard that we were getting married, they said, wow, we didn't know. A friend of mine said, ah, are you serious? Immediately I proposed to her, she said yes. I went and told my friend, CEO, say, ah, that was it. And I had knew then that the only relationship I will have was marriage. I knew. If I draw close to you and my body begins to do like this, I will say, God, is she the one or should we wait for another? That was how. I never drew close to anybody just to parambulate you and bamboozle you with my goodness. No. I shared with them, the brothers, if I smile with you very well today, be sure tomorrow I may not greet you on the walkway. Because relationship builds. If I smile with you today, I'll frown with you tomorrow. I'll carry mommy's face tomorrow. I'll carry another face another day. So that it, we just are brethren. And I tell you, the, the time God said to this, when we were in fellowship, I asked God, I said, why do you put all these fine sisters in fellowship and say we should marry one? He said, because they are more of your sisters than your wife. They are your sisters. So it helped me. They are, let me tell you, all the many things that changed about my life were sisters in fellowship. One sister came and visited us. Myself and my best man were in the same room. He later did best man for me when I wedding. He said, hey, bro, Josh, Josh, Bolu, do you people have roll-on? When you people come to fellowship, your body used to, you people have order. That was how she was. She was a mother in the fellowship. Do you, you should go and buy roll-on and be rubbing in your hand. You people are smelling. You people are not smelt. <laughs> that was when I knew there's a roll on. <laughs> I didn't know what roll on was. I'm telling you. I came to fellowship one day. We traveled and we came back. My sister Sida came back with two shirts and one wristwatch. She said, every time we come for fellowship, Presido, you're asking us, what's the time? What's the time? What's the time? Oh yeah, we are wristwatch. That was the first wristwatch I ever wore. We don't, I don't like the shirt you are wearing. Take this too. She was seven years my senior. Take this shirt and wear. Ah, you keep wearing these things we don't like. <laughs> you are our president. Dress well. So I collected it as, as president of Priyan. I started wearing it. And we continue. Some of, sometimes we come to their rooms. We eat. We stand up. We go. All those brothers who were hanging with sisters. None of them married before me. None. None. See, today some of them have married. They didn't marry those people. Some of them are still not married till now. There's one man my wife said on Facebook, she's still not married till now. She almost boyfriended all the brothers in fellowship. So please relax. Be sister. Be brother. Enjoy fellowship. If you see this first person have a problem, attend to this one and God will have the second. Um, this, so, so please don't allow that closeness. The second thing, the second question is not something we can exhaust now. And it's not something that concerns everybody. And it will take us into another aspect. It talks about spiritual headship. These days, mentoring and discipleship has been abused. I want to start with that. I don't go around telling people. In fact, if you come and say, this is my father, I say, who? who? Me. I don't know you. 
It's not something that I brag about. And I know the responsibility. And it varies. There are people who their parents provide direction for them. There's something who, I have people who are responding to me, who I relate to them, who I'm discipling. And there's something they will raise to me. I'll send them, go and discuss this with your mother or with your father. So submission is on very, people have abused it. There are people who look for people to come and be say, this is my mentor, this is my mentor. Those are the people that stretch that. That you must have a mentor before you uh, look at the man who is his spiritual head. Many of those men are headless themselves. Check them. They don't even have connection with God. And every time I sit down, I ask myself, who really for me now, look at me, who is really my spiritual mentor, disciple? It's a question I can never answer. At some point, it was my father. Then some point, he started teaching us about discipleship. I ran, there's an uncle, both of us relate to it. I was in secondary school when I first heard of discipleship. I ran, I went and met him. See, now we relate. I met him after one or two years, he moved out of the town. I got into the university, different people were contributing to my life. I came to Enugu, I can effortlessly, I can correctly say that mommy and daddy are parents to us. Close what I'm saying. So at different times, God brings different, and I won't take a major step without informing them. I won't have a major need without calling and saying, mommy, this is what we are looking at, this is what we are thinking of, this is what, and sometimes they will also call. But she doesn't come out and say, hey, my son, come here. Come here, my son. I don't know whether you understand. So at different points, God provides different people over us. But don't be asking him, who is your spiritual head? He will call one name for you that doesn't exist. I'm telling you. So those are the things. Now, for that young man you are talking about, God may be doing something with his life that a man may want to destroy. Truly. But in some areas, I can assure you, there are people who have contributed to his life. He can never say he's a product of God. It's a lie. There were people who taught him in secondary school. There were people who thought there's a church is attending. There's a priest. There's somebody who is, who is, who is indirectly or directly relating with. I don't know whether you understand. So please, when you sit in seminars and you are listening to people, be listening and be asking the Lord to direct you. When you also have a brother come and approach you and say, I want to marry you. And you look around him and he's also a loner, he's an orphan. There's nobody around him. You say, ah, which church were you attending? Don't ask him who is your spiritual mentor, you'll get a name. Which church were you attending when you were on campus? There's nobody. Say, we, say uh, we were going to one church where I was the pastor. He was the pastor. All his life he has been pastoring there. You know there's a problem with him. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's something that you need to watch. It's not something you take explicitly. Thank you very much. Um, I believe we have had a good time. Let's stand up and pray together. We have prayed individually in our groups. We'll stand up and pray together. And I believe God. I said before many of you came that God has assured us that you are going to be great. That there is something about your life that you must fulfill. Some of you, there are hospitals that are in confusion. Maybe UNTH may be one of them that are waiting for your solution. You don't know. I'm serious. You know, I've stopped taking my life anyhow because I've seen myself in places I never imagined I would be. The more you think that way, the more your life takes order. You need to begin to see yourself as going to lead men into their inheritance. 
as going to be somebody who there's a blessing in your life that must touch a generation. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this evening. And we appreciate you that you have opened your heart to us. You didn't hide your word from us. You were so clear and plain to us. You have encouraged us to be Christians. You have shown us how we can walk and experience a blessed home. That is possible in this generation to still stand out. To marry correctly. To be a powerful and an excellent young sister. To be a brother with great grace and responsibility. It's possible. We ask that beyond this weekend, you will begin to raise those kind of people in us in the name of Jesus. You will begin to walk in our lives by your spirit. To bring out a virtuous man, a virtuous woman, a great man, who is going to be a blessing to our generation. None of us will miss it. None of us will marry backwardness. None of us will marry a man or a woman that will take us back. We will continue to move from grace to grace. Thank you, Father. The oath Abraham swore, we know that you have taken an oath over us. You have sworn and you will not change your mind. That you will surely help us. You took an oath over us. That you will deliver us from our enemies. And that we will serve you all the days of our lives. You swore that oath when you sent your son Jesus. Our marriage will not be different. Our marriage is under that oath. And none of us will miss it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we are prayed. I think we can still do better. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God.